Cassie Tondro is a loved and well-respected educator. And based on her many years of experience, she knows, without a doubt, that children can be trusted to ask for deeper explanations and understanding when they need them. In this conversation about challenging, even disturbing topics, including COVID-19, Cassie encourages us to be sensitive to achieving the right balance between sharing too much with children and not sharing enough with them. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you remember Cassie from a conversation she and I shared about the fascinating challenges around the topic of sharing. That was episode 58. And if you haven't heard it, you'll definitely want to, because it's filled with gems of wisdom and practical advice. Meantime, my name is Nene White, and it is so good to have you here with us on the Big Picture Social-Emotional Learning Podcast. Cassie Tondro, I am so glad to be welcoming you back into conversation, especially because the last time you and I shared conversation on this podcast, you were telling us, giving us all your wonderful wisdom about sharing, and it was one of the most well-received episodes on this podcast, I'll have you know. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I have many teachers who have thanked me. I mean, really strong. I should have told you that, but really, yes. Very definitely. So that is episode 58 for anybody who's listening just now and hasn't picked up on that episode. It was a gem. This time, we're going to be discussing uh, some of the important points you wrote about in a recent article uh, that was published through Mm rethinkingschools.org. And um, young children, how to talk to them about... All kinds of challenges. The title was about talking to kids about COVID-19, but then you went into a lot of different situations and challenges that are scary or confusing, whatever. So where would you like to start? Um, yeah, I guess I could start with uh, just what prompted me to write it. I, um, I, there, there was a day at work, um, I think the second week of March, where I got a notification on my phone and uh, they said that Seattle had closed, decided to close the schools. And, uh, and so that was, you know, we had already been hearing about the virus coming out and, you know, it was a scary situation. We didn't know quite how serious it was. Um, but uh, hearing that the schools were closed was like yeah. the the big push of like, okay, I've got to say something to these kids and, uh, you know, a room full of three-year-olds. <laughs> so, um, it was kind of like, where, where do you start really? And, uh, so, you know, my, my first line of defense really is like questioning, starting with questions. Mm-hmm. I think in any sort of, um, heavy discussion, regardless of the relationship is like the place to begin. But and I, that's I said, because, uh, that's because <clears throat> that's because um uh i guess it 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 it's a good opener rather than you know an ac- accusatory stance or like a um you know here's what we're going to do um which yeah. which can make people defensive okay. i think it you know um it sort of opens a channel rather than um sets up a wall <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Metaphorically nice. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, 
so the kids were at lunch and uh, I just said, you know, very kind of my, like my big opener was like, do you, do you know why teachers are so nervous right now? And mm -hmm. I, I think I used the word nervous instead of scared because of the connotations of scared are yes. scary. scary. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Um, when kids hear that adults are feeling fear, it, uh, it makes them go into you know, double fear. I'm yeah. fearful that they're fearful. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I, uh, I immediately this, this little boy said to me, Oh, the sickness. And, um, you know, I, I just said like, what do you know about the sickness? And they said, I don't know anything about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know, you know? Um, <laughs> and so the, there wasn't a ton that I could say a, because I, I didn't know much about it myself. Um, but I, I just said, we're feeling nervous about this sickness. We don't know what will happen to people. Some people get very sick. Some people don't get very sick, but we're going to ask you to do all of your germ practices a lot more intensely, basically. I, I didn't say it like that. I said it in, you know, three-year-old language. This is why we're asking you to wash your hands all the time. This is why we're asking you to, you know, do this or that or cover your coughs or, you know, um, and I honestly kind of left it there for the moment, um, mm -hmm. just as a starting point. And, um, and then, you know, of course, like told parents that, that I had opened that discussion and um, parents reacted really well to that. I think they appreciated that I had like broached it, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, I feel like that's kind of the way that I've, the, the approach I've taken with any like really controversial topic. Um, I guess another really good example is of just like, a very like similarly awkward thing to talk about, possibly more awkward was uh, um, our, our school is situated on a ship canal. So like a, like a very long park essentially that like runs the length of this was this channel that goes under bridges mm -hmm. in Seattle. And, uh, and there's often like, you know, homeless people or whatever and um it uh you know needles sometimes are around mm. and so we have to talk to the children about you know why there's needles on the ground mm. what to do when you see them what they look like and uh mm. you know so I've had to have like meetings where I I put on gloves I say I'm wearing gloves because I'm not even supposed to touch these but you know like when we touch them we need something between us and the thing and um, I showed them what they look like. I said, they're very, very sharp. And, um, <laughs> my mentor teacher actually really wisely reminded me, like, there are appropriate places for needles. They're in the doctor's office so that it's not like a, yeah. a fear thing <laughs> all the time. There, there are okay places for needles to be, but good one, the, good one <laughs> in the park is not one of them, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it did not require me to go into like a lengthy discussion about like drug use or like, uh, you know, putting any value judgments on that mm. in any respect. It was just like, this is what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Here's how it's been safe, you know, mm. um, knowing and that all of that will come later. Yes. Information. You yes. Know? Scaffolding it's called, I think. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you, have you been in touch with any of the parents uh, of of your students and how they're managing being teachers now 
Oof, yeah, I have a bit. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting. It's uh, like when I was still doing online teaching, um, I uh, <laughs> I found that the the roles completely flip flopped. That <laughs> usually the, the the dynamic was that I uh, parents would send me an email. I would say like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I've been too busy in the classroom. I I haven't gotten an answer yet, <laughs> or whatever. And, and now, like. Hey, I have this thing. I'm all ready. Like, can you get to it? You know, and they're like, no, I'm busy watching my kid, you know? Right. Yeah. Or trying to do my job or trying to eat food or trying to, you know, <laughs> manage life now. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's been an exercise in patience for everyone. Absolutely. And parents are incredible right now. I think it's incredibly heroic to do what parents are doing and it's such a challenge such a hard task that they have right now right and you were talking about some of the challenges that parents are definitely going to be facing like young children having big feelings that they're going to be having to deal with especially with being cooped up or or any other ways and I thought your advice was so beautiful do you want to go into that at all oh sure yeah I mean I I was thinking a bit about like um like how children respond in a, like essentially a child sees an adult having a hard time. And uh, there's like this bounce off effect that reverberates with kids that can look extremely different and extremely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when, uh, when parents are going through grief, for instance, it like kids reactions to that can be so wildly all over the map. Um, it's like anger, uh, you know, wild tantrums, um, sort of like reverting behaviors where they're where they're regressing a whole mm. lot. Um, mm. I, I think all of these things can happen, and uh, often parents can see it as like, how can you do this on top of everything that's happening right now? <laughs> Why is this going on? How is this coming up all of a sudden? And it's like, what well, it is because of that, not. Uh, in addition right on the cake you know right yeah yeah um they see you and they're they're adapting to your emotional state and that the thing I really want to make clear is that that does not mean that you should uh become like a placid lake of serenity you know like we (laughs) there's no possible that's that's not possible the only thing you need to do is is uh become a lot more honest as honest as you can be you Mm -hmm. know about what you're feeling Mm -hmm. Um, and that that I mean that alone is kind of a hard job uh tuning into your feelings especially as they change constantly um but I think a a matter of just telling your kid like I don't know where we're going I'm not sure what's going to happen I don't know when we'll be able to go back to school that's hard that makes me feel confused and afraid. I wonder if you're feeling like that too. Yeah. You know, um, that alone is like, uh, I think such a good opener for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, then, yeah, I guess, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. And then when you say something like that, then there's got to be something to just like a hug or how do you then reinforce or, you know, Mm-hmm. what do you do to counterbalance that unknowing yeah what do you uh, suggest yeah I, w- I was thinking of a lot of like uh you know kind of therapeutic soothing techniques like mm. uh, 
apparent. Um, I don't know why I was just reminded of this, but it's been really helpful for me. Um, the power of water, especially with very young children, is huge. Ooh. I mean, um, actually, just incredible. Uh, like literally, uh, you can change um, your stress response with cold water. Uh, a mom that was a, a social worker in my class a couple of years ago told me this, and um, that you can uh, you can actually kind of I mean, it, you know, not like a, this is a 100% guarantee coverall for everyone, but um, yeah. splashing water on your face is such a cliche because it, it works so well, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, uh, it lowers your body temperature and uh, can start to help with that um, release of those um, stress hormones. Yes. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I say water, but uh, crying also is is another release of that. Like, mm. a, cortisol is actually literally released through tears, which is something that a lot of parents don't realize. Like, mm. often when you can't sleep or you reach a stress point where you actually cry, you often will have this massive like relief, and uh, and it's it's because that that chemical is being released from your body. It's wow. it's. It's wild to think about. It's um, really good to know. That's really good information. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a matter of like finding um, things that would have been somewhat normal or, you know, kind of like a nice break, like say a bath or something like that, going back to the water thing uh -huh. are now kind of like a therapeutic need you know, in this kind of environment where we're stuck at home constantly. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone's lucky enough to have like a backyard or an outside space or something right. like that, like being in the backyard with a hose um, <laughs> or whatever is like just an amazing opportunity. That was my first image. Just get out and play with the hose and water the plants and right? splash yeah. and yeah, totally make totally. puddles and Ooh, yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I was also thinking um, uh, when I was when I was working on writing the article, I, I partnered a lot with um, a woman named uh, Elizabeth Barbian, and uh, we were talking a lot about just uh, um, getting more in tune with your outside world. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know if this has happened for anyone else, but uh, my husband and I live on a, in a corner apartment in Wallingford in Seattle. And I've just gotten so in touch with all the sounds around me and the people that go by and things that happen day to day. And uh, it, it's almost like watching a play outside my window. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I, I'm, you know, for me as a 36 year old woman, that's fun. And so I can only imagine for a two year old, uh -huh. you know, it's a, uh, it, it, it's um, a very cool thing to kind of like narrate your experience of your neighborhood. And I feel like that's something that, um, you know, could be anyone, um, anyone, anywhere, you know, uh, listening to your outside space, listening to what your neighbors do, like smelling their cooking, things like that. Uh, getting more in tune with it or getting curious about it mm. is kind of another way to notice the world and not feel so, um closed in yeah and shut yeah. down right oh exactly I mean that reminds me that makes me think of how people that don't have sight their hearing is extra good or there's other senses kick in and so we don't have these avenues to enjoy our lives so we find other avenues I think that's beautiful um, advice mm -hmm. Absolutely. yeah yeah, yeah. 
And one other, one of the other many things that you said, which I really appreciated, kids when they're in these, they might be more needy. Those are my words, not yours. But um, I know in my own experiences, when kids are confined, then they might go, their brains might go into repetitive cycles, you know, asking you to repeat things and ask the same questions over and over. And I thought your advice was so good because that can get exhausting. So what is your solution for that one? It really can. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that that happens to me a lot, um, you know, as a teacher and, you know, I I don't have children of my own. I I feel like it's really important to say that, Uh, but uh, it, uh, kids ask the same questions constantly yes and i think digging down into the reason why is is very important and um you know directly bouncing it back at them like wow you've asked me that a lot i wonder if there's something else you're worried about you know about that like uh you, you know you've asked me that many times um kind of finding out uh it it could even though they might not know just getting them to notice that they're asking you repeatedly um is a way to find out like a the or reinforce for them like oh yes this is the most important question for me right now like questions often that come up are like when can we go to the playground when can we do this what you know yes yeah um uh saying reinforcing uh those questions that you've or those answers i mean that you've offered back before like i wonder if you remember what i said last time (laughs) and you know often it doesn't come out in that tone right like (laughs) (laughs) like as human beings it's really hard but uh you know um the it's it's the reflection and starting restarting that conversation again that i think is really important yes there and then your kind of putting the ball in their court with asking them a question instead of them uh, mm-hmm. yeah guiding where the conversation goes uh, i i as a teacher have found that questions are golden with uh mm-hmm. helping to guide the conversation but not uh so much control it but guide it sure. yeah 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 really, really important yeah, I guess in the classroom, I had the advantage of having like a, a lot of other kids too that were also present. And so sometimes I would hear the question that was repeated a million times yes. and just literally turn my attention to another kid and say like, when are we going to go outside? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> asked in the same tone, same like exact same question to another kid and they, they would get that response from a peer. And I, I think that was really powerful. So like, I mean, if if there's siblings in the house that are willing to put up with that. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. Um, And I I think that was just an adaptation so that I wouldn't get overwhelmed with frustration, you know? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's one of the hardest things with little kids is that your mind just goes numb because there's so much repetition. So this is Mm -hmm. a, Mm -hmm. um, that is a really creative way that is still respectful of the child and the child's needs. So both those things have to be balanced. Very important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I also appreciated your, um, your acknowledgement of the importance of what big ears are in the room when adults are having conversation and little people are present. Do you want to talk about that? Oof, totally. I mean, um, yeah, you, uh, I have been 
flabbergasted by how much kids pick up on. Um, it, like, just for instance, in my own experience, uh, a, a teacher will come in the room and like whisper to us that a fire drill is about to happen. Uh-huh. And then me and my teaching team will like go into, you know, go into action mode, just kind of like quietly, like, oh, you know, how about you put your shoes on? You know, it's snowing outside or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, kids will come up to me and go like, oh, is there going to be a fire drill? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, they, they really know, they really tell, they really hear you. They have, yeah. they, they speak the same language as you, you know, and, um, they, they know, um, or, you know, most of the time they do, but it, uh, uh, it's amazing to me. Um, so I think it's a matter of, it, it's like tempering our uh, intake and our outtake. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's kind of, I think I was quietly sort of trying to encourage adults in general um, to keep really aware of like how involved they are in the news cycle and just yes. how like how intense and like how, um, how overwhelming that is, you know. Yeah. staying informed versus totally being overrun by this you know right yeah yeah it um, creates a different atmosphere in the home for sure it really does yeah yeah, yeah. you know and, the, and like I said it's not um not with the intention uh again of of making things like placid and serene it's it's like a just to keep ourselves sane you know like just to just to be real with kids and um keep ourselves well as much as we can exactly and be real but yeah keep ourselves well yeah yeah exactly Uh, because if kids never see us you know in that variety of emotions and responses then how are they going to be equipped when life gets very real for them and they're not protected i mean they've got to have some reference points for sure yeah yeah but yeah I, I think at the same time it's like uh you you can involve um especially older kids just in the um in the news where it applies to them keep mm-hmm. them informed make mm-hmm. sure they know you know especially with the, like the news that's been happening this week you know with schools changing and um people moving into online school i think uh there's going to be a lot of discussion with kids and how they feel about that, you know, um, that, I think that's a big place to be involved and figure out like how that's going to work for kids, um, you know, or already having that experience from the previous spring. Right. And there's other news too, that's pretty, pretty intense. Um, you're in Seattle, but are, are you having many demonstrations and activists uh, oh, totally. Yeah. So your yeah. little kids must be aware of that. What kind of yeah. thoughts do you have for parents in cities like that? Yeah, that's been an interesting one. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been attending some, you know, full disclosure and yeah. I, um, I've had, I've been sent pictures of my students attending some protests. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. So I'm actually not sure. I'm curious to hear from parents, like what, the discussion has been like about that but um I do know just from you know our like anti-racist efforts like in the classroom with kids before uh before the school before I, I left well before my, I left my position um that uh it was it was like an active approach that we took and like a um 
you know, from the standpoint of fairness and equity and justice, you know, and um, just an active search of like books that felt like they reflected our thoughts and uh, our values right. in a very real way. Um, wow, I think this I, is so fascinating. Do you, do you think you could uh, get any parents of your parents, maybe one or two of them, to have a conversation with you, me, and them on this podcast about how how they've uh, walked through those kinds of challenges with their kids and even gone to demonstrations? Yeah, I'd be so curious about that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> I think that'd be amazing. I have like three or four people in mind. That I oh, could, uh... oh, I would love that. I would love that. I think that would be really inspiring for other parents mm-hmm. and yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. very cool yeah because we are all in this together and if we too much compartmentalize and you know cut off walls from what's actually going on in life I mean of course we mm-hmm. we describe it in ways that are digestible for different ages you know but still to to deny that kids are noticing and picking up is is not very respectful Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah kids care deeply, and um, I kids are, I, I mean, the strongest uh, enactors of justice that I've ever met in my life. You know, so, oh. and they really know. You know, they they know it's real. They know it's right, and um, they don't have any of our hangups of. Uh, people we have to please or you know, jobs that might be upset by our thoughts or, you know, it's, it's all raw and it's all coming from them so um it's really I think it's a cool thing to involve kids in that discussion absolutely oh absolutely Ooh, can we can we decide to do that I think that'd be amazing oh good the yeah. only thing is you have to get some parents yeah why not yeah oh wonderful oh I would love that I yeah. love that. I'm I'm looking through this article of yours and trying to see if there's anything else that we need to share about this conversation. Is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, uh, the only other thing I was thinking of was um, uh, there's this really cool opportunity now. Um, I don't know if I, I've been talking with friends about this, and it's definitely happened with um, with my husband. But I, I'm curious if it's also happening with families with their children that getting to suddenly see people that you know so well all day long you know if you're at home if you're lucky enough to be at home let me reiterate that but um is is such an amazing new way of knowing these people in your family usually we only see them at like the beginning and the end of the day and weekends and um knowing someone for the full scope of their day watching them at work watching them at play watching their routines um is is like literally creating a new relationship um and and like I think what I the phrase I used in the article is relearning people yes um it felt like I mean it felt like that to me um there's all these aspects that I didn't know (laughs) you know that are so I'm taking that opportunity and running with that opportunity um very cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, this is an amazing, amazing time. I mm-hmm. think for most of it's an amazing time. And then there's, you hear about these other, how it's absolutely awful for others, but fortunately that's yeah. the minority, but that's, 
something that I suppose does need to be acknowledged. Even when we... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do about it, but uh, I, I think, you know, if we just keep the whole big picture, all of the ingredients in there and just keep shooting for better and better for everybody, then that's mm-hmm. the best we can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Totally. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, I, I did see one other thing that uh, that I wanted to be sure and ask you about was mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do this horrible thing again, <laughs> which is <laughs> contradiction in terms. But sometimes you have these lockdowns. You have to practice lockdown drills in your school. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. the way that you present mm-hmm. that and describe that to kids and prepare them for it. Uh, I, I'd love to hear about that. You know, have you share that with the people that are listening to this podcast? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've been. Uh, we. I think we do have do like three or four different types of lockdown drills, which is so scary and so weird. And mm. um, I think parents are often pretty flabbergasted that that starts. You know, when they first send their kids to school, like mm. each two, I was like, oh, we have to have like active shooter drills. Mm. We have to. Um, you know, we've installed special locks on the doors, things like that. And um, I, it, it, it's a scary thing to have to do. And I think that's one of the key places and key examples of this is a thing that we do for kids that is harder for adults than it is for kids, huh. um, especially very, very young kids. Um, that's because they, they, they don't have that history. They... They don't remember Columbine. They don't. They don't know about this whole history of stuff that we do, you yeah. know, that, as right. adults. And um, I, I, you know, I say Columbine. That was like the, the first one I heard about when I was. <laughs> That's school. my first so, association. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it is a very heavy thing. We have to kind of measure ourselves and decide which are the key boil down elements that kids need to know about um and that's uh, i usually the way i phrase it is there's times where we need to be really quiet if there's a person that's not supposed to be in our building we don't want them to know we're here or you, you know something like that that uh phrases it in a way that this is a quiet drill we're yeah. trying to be so 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 sneaky quiet uh-huh. <laughs> and uh um it helped the kids a lot but um i i'm not sure if this got edited out of the piece or not but um i uh my way of saying that is much more tempered and much less um mu- just much less than o- other teachers i work with and i think that's totally okay some teachers go in and actually say we do this to stay safe from people that want to hurt us. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's also an okay thing to say to young kids, but um, it requires more uh, more on the back end because sure. it opens up that discussion discussion of like, well, who are bad guys? And, you know, what are they doing and why? You right, know? right. Um, so it, it's an involve. You have to, I guess, prepare yourself for the, like your level of involvement and, um it's a matter of kind of reading kids and reading their, um, I don't know, preparedness to hear that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think when kids start uh, playing games about death and guns, I think that that's your opener right there. You know, I, I you can start having that discussion that way, um, just because it comes up so so earnestly and so early. Um, kids often don't know what, what death means. They don't know what, what guns are or what they do, and uh, and so you can start to like gently work in these ideas. Um, yeah. But in uh, like I said, in a very like tempered way, that's like very minute and slow and waiting for their follow-up questions <laughs> very that, good yeah no long lectures right yeah they'll, they'll tell you what they need to hear additionally right you know, and um and things get added in all the time like through media and through their friends right. and um through other adults in their life right yeah. i i love that uh, this observation of observing their play because that's when they're processing, as you mentioned in the article, and right. that, that then we can learn so much what they're ready for next because they're just mm -hmm. processing all of this information and these feelings. And then they have playtime play, but that's their process. I mean, we use that word play and it means such a different thing to us, but to them, it's just that process of digesting their understanding yeah oh completely yeah was there anything yeah. else you wanted to point out about that because that that to know that is so helpful and so oh, important wonderful. it puts such a responsibility on us to pay attention to their play yeah completely yeah I uh, I think probably my favorite or my first uh real example of noticing this when that like way back when I first became a preschool teacher was um a kid, a two-year-old, um, had a lot of trouble with drop-offs, and her games uh, for the first couple of weeks of school were literally playing, like, bye, I'm going to work, <laughs> and then mm -hmm. she would fall on the ground and scream and cry, and then get up and do it all over again, and wow. play that as, as a game, Yeah, and, uh, and until she oriented herself to drop-offs. Wow. It, it, it was, and I, I, I actually like almost couldn't believe it. It was like, wow, play actually is figuring out life, solving your <laughs> therapy. Problems. You know, like yeah, like literally therapy. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is yeah. profound. Oh no, kids! I mean, we could just be sitting and learning from them all the time, which I know you know that. Oh, completely. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. They, they, they show you their biggest problems. They show you their biggest questions. You know. Yeah that way that's how they do it right right yeah. except and then I was going to say goodbye but then this came up um I had one son who was very he just wasn't communicative I had one son that was the uber communicator <laughs> the other son yeah. who was not chatty who was not he just he he seemed perfectly fine and he is perfectly fine but not a communicator hmm. so Mm -hmm. you don't notice a difference in in those kinds of things you don't you haven't noticed kids that are just not not doing that play that communicates much because I was never a teacher so I just had my two boys so yeah yeah it's an interesting thing there there are a lot of kids like that that don't um instinctively do sociodramatic play uh -huh. which is you know play acting like that where you're kind of reflecting life um yes like pretend play you know sure um, yeah, I, I think with kids like that, I usually look for 
you know, just what they do instead, you know, what, what are they talking about? What are they reading? What do they do instinctively? Um, especially what do they do to soothe themselves? Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of the things that can look, um, you know, a little different. It's like, uh, uh, searching for places to play that are facing away from the group or whatever um like we kids that don't instinctively want to talk all the time right right <laughs> yeah yeah I, I guess that would that would be like my starting point like where yeah what, what did he do as opposed to that kind of really chatty communicative play right that son of mine just super yeah. physical super athletic ah, there you go yeah, yeah yeah so like yeah i go yeah i would look for like is he being physical either anticipating or directly after something stressful happening would he do it on the way to things or you know i don't know yeah how did it change according to who he was with or the space he was in right yeah oh Um, interesting oh I, I would be <laughs> yeah right I would be such a better mother now <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure you did great oh yeah. I, I love yeah. them and they know that but oh my gosh I have learned so much especially on this podcast but as a teacher oh my gosh but we never stop learning so that's a good attitude but yeah yeah absolutely uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know if that was a helpful answer at all no it was no it was it absolutely was because um you know, it's just paying attention. It's just cluing in, you know, and just each mm-hmm. child is unique. And, um, you know, when stressful situations come up to have made perhaps more physical opportunities for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a couple of times when I uh, actually withheld uh, physical opportunities for him, sports activities totally in the wrong direction but that was the thinking back in the day you know yeah right so no I'm just learning all the time you know so yeah ah and living with the regrets but but you know you can't go down that that (laughs) black hole either so yeah um so what what were you gonna say Oh, it's powerful too as a parent to be like, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, yeah, I, yeah boy, I, I love hearing stuff like that. From my <laughs> yeah. It yeah. makes me sad to fess <laughs> up to it, but you know, I do it just yeah. in the hope that I'm helping someone else to go, Ooh, that's what I'm doing, you know? So yeah, right? that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I do it for. Um, so yeah. we have a, we're going to set another date to, with you and me and a couple of uh, parents to an uh, active uh, demonstrating parents with their kids. I'd love that concept. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I think yeah. it'd be so cool. Sure. So okay. good. Oh, wonderful, Cassie. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> good. Okay. We will be in touch. All right. All yeah. my best. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Cassie is not only a very special educator, as you heard, she's also an excellent writer. So I highly recommend the article she wrote titled Talking to Young Children About COVID-19, which recently appeared in Rethinking Schools magazine. I've included the link to that article in this show's notes. Again, I want to thank you for being here. You are very, very special to me. 
because I think you get the fact that is often missed by most school administrators and curriculum builders, and unfortunately many teachers as well, that social-emotional learning is a field of study that's as big, as deep, and as wide as the whole of human experiences and interactions, which is the reason I keep moving forward with this podcast. Until next time, stay well and keep learning because continual, open-minded, open-hearted learning really is the only way forward for all of us.